I wonder why do Christians, why do we celebrate harvest? I remember as a child, harvest was a massive occasion and there was a harvest queen. It was always a big deal who was going to be the harvest queen. This wasn't just me. I wasn't making this up, was it? Did you have harvest queens? Yes? I suddenly thought, was I making that up? And it was always a big deal as to who's going to be it and wear a fancy, beautiful gown and a a robe and a crown and they'd get a throne to sit on and they'd give a speech. That was right, wasn't it? I didn't just make that up. I I could do, but I'm sure I remembered it. Um, I was, unsurprisingly, never the Harvest Queen. I I did have a picture taken of me when I was just a little girl putting on the stuff after the meeting, but I I couldn't get the picture today to show you because my mum and dad are gallivanting somewhere in the world. So um, I I couldn't. So maybe another week I'll show you that picture because it's very cute. Um, So it's, it's an opportunity for us to thank God, of course, for everything he's blessed us with. Um, It's a great celebration. In Old Testament times, thanksgiving to God was an intrinsic part of who the people were. There are a number of festivals where the Jewish people specially thanked God for his blessings to them. These festivals reminded the people of God's provision and blessing on them, both the physical and the spiritual blessings. And there were regular points in their calendar where they stopped from their ordinary routine lives and celebrated God's goodness. It was so important to them. Years ago, of course, Mojave's used to be a massive celebration in this country, especially in the more rural areas, because so many depended on a good harvest for their well-being. People were really grateful to God for the provision gathered in at harvest, as their very lives depended on it. And it still does for so many. But as we've expanded our trade with other countries and with the increase of supermarkets, we can get anything and everything from all over the world at any time of year, I think we've kind of lost that sense of importance of the Harvest Festival and with it the sense of um, celebration and gratitude for God's provision and his involvement in our day-to-day living. I I have never been a farmer or much of a gardener. You you just need to ask my family about that. But I understand that to harvest a good crop, it requires a lot of preparation, care, and patience. Preparation in that the ground must be prepared and the seed properly sown. Care in that the seed must be watered and nurtured. Patience because crops do not grow overnight. Now gardening, talking of gardening, poor Adrian, he's most upset because his grass in the back garden has been, well, it's not what it used to be, because if you didn't know, we've had builders in for the past seven weeks. Week seven of a a two-and-a-half-week job. Week seven, folks. Anyway, he's very sad about his lawn. In fact, he even said it this morning, as we were coming out, that the the weather's nice, and he said, that might give my lawn a bit of a chance. He keeps on going out and looking at it, and with a sad face, you hear him saying, look at my lovely grass. Where's it gone? My poor lawn. He does. This is the truth. He does do this. He's taken pictures and everything. He looks, he's looked after the grass since um, we've, we've come here. Actually, he always looks after the grass. He did that last, in the last house as well. 
Um, and, and nothing's allowed to stay on the grass for too long because we don't want to get it yellow and kill it, you know. So if we've been out in the garden sunbathing or if we've had the pool out or the, the, the chairs and that out in the evening, he faithfully brings it all back in again. Um, he faithfully cuts and tends it and makes sure the edges are nice and tidy. He makes sure we don't leave anything on it which could cause it to die underneath. Of course, the workmen have done that. And he's cared for it and been very patient with it, have it looking nice and good and healthy. But that didn't happen just overnight. And apparently now the building company are going to chuck some seeds, grass seeds on it, and hopefully it'll all grow again. Chuck. Um, and he has to, but he has to care for it and wait to see if it will hopefully cultivate, if he can hopefully cultivate it back to being the lovely, lush, green lawn it was prior to the work being done. Maybe today you are not waiting for wheat to grow in your field or grass to grow in your garden, but I would guess that you're hoping for a harvest of some kind. Different people have different ideas of harvest, about harvest. What's your harvest? What's the harvest you're waiting for? What's the harvest you want to celebrate? Is, is it about your finances to have a certain amount of money? Is it that of a new house, a bigger home? For some, it would simply to be to, to have a home with sufficient food on the table. Is your harvest about a family or a partner? Is your harvest about the perfect job or career? <coughs> is it about a new car or a holiday? A harvest for a better work-life balance? for better health, for you or you, someone in your family. These are all images of different harvests for different people. But what about our church? What does harvest mean and look like for us as a church? What does it look like for you and for me as Christians? Well, this morning, I want us to consider three specific principles which we find in this Bible reading this morning for us as a church and for each of us as we live out this Christian life as Christians. Three things that we need to know and understand as we consider harvest today. Firstly, the principle is harvest as a co is a consequence. We're living in time of crisis for the natural world. Climate change is accelerating and creatures and plants are dying out in an alarming rate. I found some pictures on, on the internet of um, situation of places of, of then and now. And actually these now pictures are still maybe 10 years old. So you can only imagine what perhaps the situation might be like here. So here's under the sea. Let's see some more of these pictures, Anthony and, and Dennis, please. Can you keep moving on? So this is... The snow on, on melt on Matterhorn Mountain in Switzerland. See the difference? Where the glaciers were in Alaska, you can see how they've just all melted. Next one, you can see the deforestation of Mount Kenya. And I, you know, I'm saying, and the, the, the shrinking lake here in California. Next one, the Arctic ice. And here we are, the bleaching of the Great Barrier Reef, a natural wonder of the world. Some of these pictures, as I say, some of these now pictures were actually 10 years old, so it only, we can only imagine what the situation is now. The increase in carbon emissions is causing temperatures to rise and increasing the number of intense, intensity of extreme weather events around the world that we've all witnessed on the news or personally 
And of course, this is all largely down to humanity's overconsumption of the world's finite resources. We're also generally more disconnected from the natural world and its rhythms than ever before. What's happening now to the world is directly because of the way that we've cared for it. This is the consequences of our actions. We're reaping what we've sown. And if we want to heal our world and for things to be back in their natural order that God created, we've got to care for it and we've got to do things differently. So here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says here, first of all, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All they have to show for it in his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Your harvest is the consequence of what you sow. When you sow wheat, the hope is that you will reap a wheat harvest. You reap what you sow. Paul then goes on to explain in 2 Corinthians something more about how we harvest. He says, a stingy planter is a, gets a stingy crop. Uh, a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. And I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your minds what you will give. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. It's not about how much necessarily. It's the attitude in how we give. God loves to bless us, and he wants us to mirror that in our giving and in our sowing. He loves it when we bless others too, when we sow good seed and God seed. When we see harvest as a consequence, we take more notice of the quality and the quantity of the seed we sow for the harvest we're looking for as God's kingdom builders. You know, the most common seeds we sow every day are the words we speak. Every word is like a, 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 a spoken word is like a seed. Do you ever ask yourself, what kind of seed I am sowing? Are my words a blessing to others? Does my speech bring glory to God? How often do I share the truth of Jesus and the free gift of salvation offered to all? How often do I speak when I should be silent? How often am I silent when I should speak. Harvest is a law of life. And if we ignore it or disobey it, then we can't expect to reap the benefits here in the kingdom of God here or in eternity. Now, there are many possible harvest blessings that we benefit from in life. Work and career opportunities, healing and wholeness, new relationships, joy, peace, love, so many possible harvest blessings that God is available for each of us to reap, but first seeds must be sown to begin to generate those possibilities. And we need to be planting in response to God, seeds of obedience and good direction. What are you sowing for good and for God harvest this morning? Are you being stingy or are you being extravagant with that? So our first principle, harvest is a consequence. We'll always reap what we sow. How are you living that out fruitfully today? Second principle, harvest is a process. In verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued, tired. At the right time, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Your harvest will happen, but it will take time, just like Adrian's lush green lawn. He'll have to keep nurturing it and hope that all the natural things happen to help that grass grow over these next few months. It will take time. When the guys chuck the seeds on it on Tuesday... It's not going to be miraculously green on Wednesday. We live in an an instant society, instant coffee, microwave meals, non-iron shirts, instant messengers. People have forgotten that some things must take time, that there's a process. And unfortunately, because we don't always understand this, if it comes to a time when we need to, to reap, there's nothing available. So we quickly sow something, seed, hoping that some miracle, it will grow overnight. Now, God still does perform miracles, but the key thing for us to understand is that the Lord wants us to learn how to live in blessing daily, and that is found in obedience to him, not in need of a daily miracle to get us through, a quick fix, because that can't be sustained. The word Jesus recorded in Mark 4, 26 to 27, talk about this process He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. There's the process. Blessings come through understanding our harvest. Harvest is not a single event, it is a process. Our life and our our spiritual growth happens through a process, not one single event. Your life is not defined by one event. It's a process. Opportunities, choices, problems, victories, they're all important in the process of making you who you are and who God wants you to be. Remember Paul says in his letter to Romans, to the Romans in, in chapter 8. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. What we so often see as an event is actually probably either the beginning of the process or the end of the process. It's in the, the in-between that counts. It's the journey, the growing period. So understanding that as a Christian, your harvest as a, as a consequence means that you need to determine your seed, how you want your harvest to turn out. But also understanding that your harvest is a process means that you need to work at it and go through the necessary parts of it. Note these words in Mark 4. It says, night and day while he's asleep or he's awake. Once the farmer has sown his seed, he went on with his other activities. And in between sowing and reaping, farmers have other things to do. They look after what's going on, but they have other things to do. To think that in between, that they have nothing to do is wrong. And so it is with us as Christians. We may go to church on a Sunday and think we don't need to do anything else about God or for God until the following Sunday. We don't need to do anything more for our harvest, to nurture our faith, our spiritual growth. In between, we do nothing. I wonder if that's you this morning. But that's not how it works. And the consequences of your kingdom harvest are not going to be great and certainly not very fruitful. 
Perhaps understanding that a harvest is a process will encourage each of us to use our time wisely to read, to study, and learn from God's word and to purposefully, in between the Sundays, live and love like Jesus in our everyday living to receive that fruitful harvest of builders of our kingdom, of God's kingdom. So harvest is a consequence. We'll always reap what we sow. Harvest as a, as a process. We don't get tired of doing what is good. We don't get discouraged and give up. We keep on going in the process, even if we don't see much happening. And finally, harvest is a season. In that verse 9 again, it says, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. At the right time. In Greek, there are two words used to describe time. Chronos time and kairos time. Chronos is the word that we use, that we get the word chronological from. Normal, general, in order time. And kairos time means a, a fixed and definite time, opportune or seasonable time, the right time, a, a limited time or, peri or period of time. Sometimes because of the weather conditions, the reaping season is moved forward. Farmers can read the signs in the weather, can't they, and, and understand the timing and seasons. They know the right time to take action. And understanding your harvest is a season means that we know how to discern the appropriate time to take action. We need to be wise and know that season of harvest. Ephesians 5, we looked at Ephesians a number of weeks ago, where the verse says, live wise, making the most of your opportunities. So what are you planting and what will be your harvest? We were created in the image of God. We weren't created to live selfishly. People around us are hurting and, and need God's love, his care, his encouragement and direction from us. Don't miss the miracle of the moment in time, the season to, to harvest for God's kingdom, to sow or reap just at the right time. I read a story about a lady who was who on a cold day came across a young boy looking in the window of a local store, um, admiring a pair of trainers. And as he stood there, cold in his shoes, looking very worst for wear, the lady asked, what are you doing staring in the window? What are you looking at? And the, wee, the boy said shyly, well, I was just sort of praying and asking God if he could give me a new pair of those trainers. Well, without hesitation, the lady looked at him and took him into the store and told him to take his pick of three new trainers pairs of trainers. The boy, well, he couldn't believe it. He was so excited. He'd never owned his even one new pair of trainers, let alone three. He'd always just worn everyone's hand-me-downs. And after she had paid, the woman handed the shoes to the child. Enjoy your shoes, son, she said. The little boy looked at her in amazement. Nobody had ever taken that kind of interest in him. With tears running down his cheek, he said, lady, can I ask you a question? Are you God's wife? People are watching us. The neighbor across the street, the co-worker, friends and family. One of the biggest witness tools we can ever have is simply being good to people and helping them. That's what we're told in our Bible reading, to sow good seed in the right moment as God prompts. The right season and, and, and as we continue in that process and allow God to reap the benefits for his kingdom when the time is right. Ecclesiastes, that famous um, part in Ecclesiastes that says that there's a season for everything, a time to sow and a time to reap. Solomon points in, points in this, Solomon's point in this section is that God has a plan for all of us, his people. 
Thus he provides cycles of life, each with its own work for us to do. Time is important. The secret of a fruitful harvest to peace with God is to discover and accept and appreciate God's perfect timing as we go through the processes. And as we do that, we recognize more of what his timing, his perfect timing looks like. And then it goes on to say in Ecclesiastics that everything is beautiful in its own time. So what's your harvest? God wants to bless us. However, he has put in place the principles of harvest, sowing and reaping, by which he delivers those blessings to us. This is about our obedience to him and his process and his timing. And we need to understand God's harvest. And and when we do, we, we realize that it's a product of our sowing. Therefore, we need to sow seeds and the right seed for the harvest God wants from and for us. We realize that it's a process of growth. Therefore, we need to prepare, enlarge our capacity to receive the harvest. Don't box God in. Wait and work expectantly that God is going to do amazing things and that it's a period of time. Therefore, we need to be sensitive to the season and wise with our time and not miss our opportunity. As Christians and as a church, we want to make ourselves wholly available and to to God, to partner him in his kingdom building, to be directed by him, sowing the right seed, not giving up, keeping on nurturing and growing our faith so that we can be responsive at the right time to his direction. And so to help us just to think that through, to to respond, to, 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 to reflect on that, we're going to use a very simple chorus. It's an old, new chorus. And the line, it just simply says this, here I am, wholly available as for me i will serve the lord that is us saying we want to be part of this harvest process we want to to do our best we want to sow good seed for um for the lord for for his kingdom for an eternity john's just going to play this tune over it's a very simple tune for those of you who don't know it and as he does just uh take in those thoughts Taking about how you are in your harvest, in your sowing, in the process. wonder if you are wholly available to him in your world today in your life today are you wholly available in that process in that sowing in that reaping let's sing this chorus as a response to say i want to be available i want to serve you lord and be part of your kingdom building here today thanks john
God of harvest, gardener supreme. You place at the center, place us at the center, feed us, equip us, and having provided for us, look to a different harvest, a fruitfulness of lives in service to you and others. God of harvest, feed us, prune us, harvest us, that our lives might bring glory to you. Amen. Amen. And maybe it's so that our lives bring glory to God in his kingdom building.